Hi, I'm Rob Michaels, and I'm your host today for Guns and Hoses, Season 2, Episode 2, entitled, For Such a Time as This. We're a ministry of Serve and Protect. Today we're going to look at 2 Chronicles 7.14, and as we begin, we're going to first look at Daniel 2, 20-23. See, our nation is filled with uncertainty. We're divided by anger and hate and fear of what is to come. The unknown. It's a historic day that has brought historic levels of anxiety. Daniel 2 says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows where what, in the, what is in the darkness, and the light dwells in him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. My friends, it's pretty clear God's in control of all things. Those who rule over us and those who no longer rule over us. Exposing things that are hidden in the darkness. Things that need to be exposed into the light. So let's go to Chronicles now. And this is a passage that was given to Israel when they were asking, when will this change? How can we be delivered? What will happen to us? It says, starting in verse 14, if my people. Now, when we profess Christ and turn to him, we become God's people. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have made for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. First Peter says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. John, First John 3 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. Deuteronomy 14.2 For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You know, God loves us and we are his children. Like any father, he'll do what is best for us, for his child. He won't put us in harm's way. He wants our best for his glory. Now, it says, if my people, going back to Chronicles, next is, who are called by my name? Now, how are we called by his name? As Christians, we are called the children of God, as we just read. We are told in Romans, we are joint heirs with Christ. Now, along with that comes the preface, if you wish to share in my glory, you've got to share in my sufferings. My friends, 
being joint heirs with Christ does not mean we'll live a pain-free life. It does mean God is with us all the time. We're told that there's no temptation that has overtaken us, but that which is common to man. And with the temptation, God provides a way of escape. If you want to read something about suffering, read the book of Job. God loved Job. He was an upright man, the most upright man in all the earth, yet he allowed Satan to test Job. My friends, we're not beyond Job. We're not better than Job. And if God deems it right for us to face a test, then do what we must, knowing he is with us the whole while. We're also told that he is our Abba, Father. That word Abba means Daddy. God is our dad, and our dad loves us like we would our own children. It says, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Humility before God begins with confession of sin, submission to God's authority, and acceptance of Christ's death and resurrection as payment for our sin. You know, we don't just go to God and go, yeah, forgive me. No, you go before him humbly and beg him to have mercy on you and forgive you of your sins based on the work on the cross that Jesus Christ did for us. We are to look at God in awe and look at our sin as horrible. And in his mercy and his grace, through the death of Christ, he forgives our sin through the death and resurrection. Jesus paid for our sin. Imagine standing in a courtroom and the gavel getting ready to come down, proclaiming you guilty, and Jesus stepping up to the bar and saying, I paid for that. You've all been in a courtroom. I know I have. I never saw anybody step up and take the penalty for something that I arrested a guy for. Prayer is conversation with God. We've got to humble ourselves and pray. Prayer, there's a, a simple formula. It's called the ACTS, A-C-T-S plan. First is adoration of God for who He is. His glory, His majesty, His creation, His compassion. Next is confession of our sins. In word or deed, things that we have done, things that we left undone, things that we thought and may not have said. Our thoughts can be sin too. We are to confess all of our sins to God because Scripture tells us He is faithful and just to forgive those sins. And then we give thanksgiving for all He does and will do for us. Jesus has provided everything that we need. He shows us the way. He gives us truth. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He surrounds us with brothers and sisters in the faith for encouragement and hope. He gives us churches that we can go to for fellowship, education, and service. So thanksgiving and then supplication. Once we adore Him, we confess our sins, we thank Him, then we come before Him with our supplications, our needs. It's time to talk with God one-on-one -on -one about what's all on our heart. Today, I'm sure there are a lot of people praying for our nation, for God to bring justice to our land. And you know what? 
It doesn't fall on deaf ears. God hears and will act in His time according to His will. That's the important thing. Not our will be done, but His will be done. So, let's catch up. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. You know, accepting salvation from Christ doesn't mean we just go on about our merry way. It means we repent and turn from the world of evil, of sin, and turn our face toward Jesus, towards God, to keep our eyes set on His will and His goal in our life. This is turning to God and striving to honor Him in all that we do. There is no separation of the secular and sacred, meaning we need to honor God in all things we do, whether at work, home, or play. Now, what that means is when you go to work on the streets or in the detective bureau or in the firehouse or on the radio control board as a dispatcher or in the hospital as a medical professional, you don't become one person at work and another person at church. You're to be the same person at work you are at church, seeking to honor God in all things that you do, in the skills that you use that God gave you, the way we treat people on the street, or that are victims of an accident, or in a fire, or as you talk to somebody that calls in for help on the dispatch line. We are to be the same person honoring God. Now, will we do that perfect? <laughs> I can tell you I didn't. And if it wasn't for God's mercy and grace, I would have never been doing this show. I would never have been starting Serve and Protect. But for a partner that God gave me, Drew Grant, stood beside me at a time I was getting ready to hit a man and challenged me. Why do you want to hit him? See, God gave me a crossroads. He gave me an opportunity to turn away from that which I did. And I thank God and I thank my brother Drew. He's on our board of Serve and Protect. So, humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Seek God's face. Work to honor Him daily and turn from their wicked ways. If my people will do all of these things and turn from their wicked ways. Friends, repentance is the key to salvation. You don't just ask God to forgive you and go back and jump in the same sin cesspool. You say, forgive me of this, whatever it is that you did, and give me strength not to do it again. Give me strength for this day. You don't say the first of the month, God, give me strength for the month and then don't pray again. Every day, you've got to confess your sins and ask God to not allow you to give you the strength through the power of the Holy Spirit to not do that same sin all over again. Will you make a mistake? Will you stumble? Yes, you will. You go right back to it. Forgive me, God, and give me strength to continue on away from that sin. So, let's review where we are. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Friends, this is an if-then promise of God. God tells us what He will do if we do what came before.
You know what it said? Be, you were called by his name. You humble yourself. You seek his face. You turn from your wicked ways. And you make your best effort at doing that with God's strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Then, if you do this, then I will do this, is what God said. I'll hear from heaven. You hear what that says? He hears our prayers. Every one of us. Don't ask me how he does. But he knows the prayers of everybody in the world who is praying at this very moment. He knows what they need. He hears their prayers and he will respond according to his will. Now, hear from heaven. Listen to our pleas. Pay attention to our needs. And he guides and directs our steps. Because he hears, he's listening. And he's paying attention. God's an active listener. You've heard that phrase before. You know how it is. You'll be sitting there talking to somebody and you're kind of off in another world. And they go, did you hear what I just said? Sure. God's not like that. God hears what we say because he's paying attention to what we say and what our needs are. And he guides and directs our step. Forgive our sin. He'll hear, he'll hear our pleas and he'll forgive our sins for personal restoration completely and forever. All sins. There are no sins that aren't forgivable except rejecting Christ. It's a process called justification. Many of us are familiar with a courtroom setting. When you go into a courtroom and you're declared innocent, it's over. You're not guilty. And that's what happens when God forgives us of our sins. He says, not guilty. And he looks at Jesus and Jesus smiles and he said, I paid for that. Now, what would happen if somebody came up to you and paid off your house, paid off your car, paid off all of your debts? You'd be happy as a lark. You'd be jumping up and down and thanking God. God forgave all of your sin. The earthly things that you have debt for will burn and rust. They'll go away. And when you die, it's over. As far as that's regarding. The greater forgiveness is forgiving our sins. Because when we die, it says after that, the judgment now, what kind of judgment will we face? Well, do you want to be accountable for the deeds that you did in this life? The sins that you committed? Because if you've not asked God to forgive them, if you have not come to Him, you will be accountable for everything that you did in this life. Every word you spoke, every act that you took, every thought that you had. But those of us who are saved and have Christ as our Savior... My friends, he has paid that debt completely. And the expression is just as if I had never sinned. Justification. There is nothing more blessed than forgiveness of sins. How much greater is that than forgiveness of earthly debts? Far superior. And he says, I will heal your land. My friend, my friends, if ever our land needed healing, it is now. 
the heinous sin that permeates our world with child sex trafficking, with child prostitution, with the evil, with murders and rapes, with the corporate, with the corporate corruption, so many things, so many sins, the death of children through abortion. My friends, such sins permeate our earth. Yet God has offered forgiveness to each of us who has committed any of those sins. Anyone who has sinned, and we all have, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not one righteous one living. No one has ever maintained righteousness except one, Jesus Christ. When God's people from turn, turn from God as Israel did, as Christians have through the centuries, in once great Christian bastions like England, Scotland, and Germany, Italy, many great theologians came from those countries, and yet they have fallen. Why? Because of sin. Francis Schaeffer, in his book, How Shall We Then Live?, documented the fall of Rome. We are on the same trajectory. We are headed the same way. And the only thing that can save our land is if my people, who were called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I, God, will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear their, heal their land. My friends, today is the day and now is the time for us to call out to God together and ask for forgiveness and healing in our land. It's an if-then promise. God tells us what He'll do if we do what He asks. Now, I want to close with four verses that are pretty important. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. First Peter, humble yourselves there, Lord, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Whatever is bothering you, turn it over to God. Hebrews says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? If you belong to Christ, they can kill the body, but they can't harm the soul. And I'll leave you with John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. My friends, God has called us. He has offered us salvation. He has said, Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you struggling? Are you fearful? Are you worried? Call out to God. And it can just be, God, give me wisdom to know your truth. Help me to know you, and he will do that. You could say, Lord, send someone to me. 
that I can talk uh, talk to about about faith. There are places every Sunday. They're called church. You know, you hear people talk about re-education facilities. Well, there are some. It's called the church. It re-educates you from your old way of life to the new. Sunday school classes teaches you all about Christ, all about Scripture, all about God's will. That's the kind of re-education our world needs. And I'll leave you the same way I do every week. You can't be so good that you don't need Christ. You can cut the grass at church. You can help out your neighbor. You can work at the food bank. You can give money to missions. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and humbled yourself before Him, it means nothing. All you are is a good guy. And there are a lot of good guys that go straight to hell because they don't have Christ. And you might be thinking, you know what? You wouldn't even say that if you knew my sin. I've read about a lot of very bad sinners. Look at the Apostle Paul. I mean, he promoted the execution of Christians and stood by and watched them, sought them out. And God saved Paul. He'll save you. You can never be so bad that you can't receive Christ. The foot of the cross is the only place that the good and the bad become the forgiven. We'll be back again with episode three of Guns and Hoses. This is also available on YouTube slash Serve Protect under Favorites Guns and Hoses. So I hope you'll join us again. Feel free to share this with your friends. Post it on your Facebook and social media pages. God bless you and pray.